0: Hey, everybody. It is Jeremy England. I am a music teacher at Ohio Virtual Academy, and you are joining us for the Ohio Virtual Academy Music Appreciation Podcast. And I am not alone. In fact, the star of the show today is going to be Miss Daphne Cech. How are you today?
1: Well, I was fine till you put all that pressure on me.
0: <laughs> I know. I get, listen, I get to do the introduction and the closing. And I'll tell you what, this you brought this topic. We're talking about synesthesia today. It's our thirty-eighth episode, which just blows my mind that we've been doing this for oh, for a year. And I know you've been super busy lately with, <clears throat> excuse me, the the starting back of your orchestra. So um, there,
1: there's been a lot of coffee, and yeah. <laughs> there will continue to be a lot of coffee for several more days. But. Um, uh, one nice thing is that this podcast just gives me an opportunity to just have a conversation with a human about something different. And <laughs> yeah. For that, I am truly, truly grateful.
0: <laughs> yeah, me too, especially these topics that we don't get to talk much about. Like to, today, we're talking about synesthesia, uh, which you had brought to me. And I'm kind of freaked out that I think I might have some elements of this, but it's kind of cool to learn about it. So uh maybe not. I don't know. We'll have to talk about uh kind of some of what this is. And if you have synesthesia, like if you're out there listening to this right now, you're like, oh my gosh, you're talking about me. That's super cool. Uh let us know, you know, like how you see sound or hear sound or hear food or whatever it is. But can you tell us like uh, tell us what this is all about?
1: Yeah. So this topic kind of fascinates me personally. And um I had not really been familiar with the with the whole thing until a couple of years ago when I was having a conversation with a friend of mine who was an art teacher, and she was getting some. I think it was she was getting art from a student who was explaining their process about their artwork, and it was just very different. And so, basically, this it's called synesthesia. And a lot of the science stuff that I'm going to pull from today comes from uh, Psychology Today, which I'll link in the show notes so that you guys can read about it yourself. But the, the definition that Psychology Today gives us is that it is a neurological condition in which stimulation of one sensory or cognitive pathway leads to automatic involuntary experiences in a second sensory or cognitive pathway. So it's really like sounds super complicated, but basically, simply put, when one sense is activated, another unrelated sense is activated at the same time. So that might mean that when you smell something, you see a color. When you hear a sound, you see a color. Uh, maybe your skin crawls when you look at a spider, you get an actual physical reaction. So the idea is that when you are interpreting a sense, when a person with synesthesia is interpreting a sense, they might, their body will accept it in the way that it is presented to them, but it will still react or have some kind of other response in another sense. So we know our five senses, right? Touch, taste, see, hear, which one I forget, touch, smell, taste. thank you, uh, I knew, I knew as soon as I listed them, <laughs> I was like, I'm going to forget yep. Um but maybe we, basically the paths get crossed in our brain, or like how our brain interprets them, so there's all kinds of combinations to synesthesia, it, it's not one type versus another, so it, later in the episode, shortly here, I'm going to list several types of synesthesia, um, but and you might relate to one of them or another. We all might to some degree. Um, but it's very fascinating that our, how our brain interprets these things. So we don't know a lot, given that it's 2020, we don't know a ton about senses. You would think at this point we would know so much more. But the science is still kind of out on this in terms of just how they all communicate and talk to each other. And we had the thought is that there might be some increased white and gray matter in the brain. And so that that like if you're a person with synesthesia and then that might be what's causing some of the pathway connections going different ways. Um, It isn't a particularly common Thing it affects three to five percent of the global cop the co- the global population, and less than four percent of humans have two or more types. Now, I I have to say I found a little bit of conflicting information after I wrote this because to some degree we all do this, and I'm going to talk about it later when we get to ordinal linguistic, particularly because I've had this conversation, but. Um, you know, you might be somebody who still does see color when you hear sound or certain tastes make you feel so right. It's it's very, very complicated. So when I give this number, it's kind of recorded cases, right, or people who might have it not just a little. They might have it in a I don't want to say great quantity, but they're experiencing it in a very profound way. We might think we might feel a certain way, but these are people who only experience it through the path pathway crossings and stuff. Um, th- this phenomenon' is more likely to happen to women than men, and it often happens in childhood. And matter of fact, I found that um, science kind of thinks that we actually all start with this a little bit in infancy. And as we mature, it kind of goes away because our pathways start being connected better. So of course, we wouldn't remember this. If we're you know a year old, we don't remember that blue sounds like happy, right? Like we wouldn't remember that because we're too young but we grow out of it. The science is, again, a little iffy on that, but that's the uh, prevailing thought currently that we we actually start with this, which did make me think about, is that why we think we might have it? Um, or why we have it? I don't know. Um, but again, we'll get into this. And I find it interesting, Jeremy, because some of this I felt like you might have a little bit. So I think it's interesting <laughs> that you said this because I we've had enough discussions at this point where like you know, you've talked you've talked about what, what you see or what you hear, stuff like that. So I think we, I, I wouldn't be surprised if you <laughs> end up well, having this. You know, I think bit.
0: like, uh, yeah, that three to 5% number, it's I'm glad you talked through that because uh, like mental conditions, you know, not illness necessarily, but just understanding the brain is so hard to do because you have to rely on whoever's experiencing it to express it uh and to express it in a way that understands and you have to find somebody else who will listen and somebody who will listen with the knowledge to like do something with that information it's like um because like some people just grow up with stuff like this without ever knowing that it's not normal like i watched a youtube video uh, a month or so ago that was about like a girl who doesn't she doesn't have an inner voice and um like a guy was interviewing her and they're just kind of like talking about it and just was, it was so mind blowing to me that this person doesn't have like a voice inside their head that talks to them or like they oh have goodness. to read out loud. It just was like, it it blew my mind, <laughs> you know? And I'm like, That's incredible. Uh, I know I'm a 33 year old guy that just, and, and we talked about like my, I think on the show, we've talked about uh, me getting an ADHD, uh, going through that process of getting diagnosed and like never knowing that that was not normal and um, and I wonder if like so these three three to five percent of people is pe- are people who uh experiencing it like you said I think at a greater quantity or just more regularly like it's it was enough to be like this this something is not right, you know, like I know that I shouldn't be tasting colors um but I wonder too, like you talk about this growing up as a a baby kind of with it, like some of these paths. If you encourage them, will like become more connected. You no, know, your brain is like connections and grooves and all that weird stuff. Like you, you're making uh, tunnels, I guess, to to memories together for a really terrible neurological explanation. So I think maybe if you encourage it more, I wonder like if you could nurture some of that. It's an interesting. This is a, that that branch of musicology, the uh, systematic musicology, like the psychology of how. Your brain works with music. Now you're going to give some examples that, that aren't necessarily music related, but um, this is an example. If you want to be a psychologist and you love music, this is easily a field you can go into to try to understand what's happening in people's brains when they hear music. And uh, what, the first example for me that comes to mind when I think about this is I will I will see like shades of color sometimes when I'm listening to music, and I I know that. There are times where I say, "I want this to feel more like red," you know, like that's just an emotion I can feel when I'm playing a certain song. And and um, I I think I mentioned here, but like I lead a music team at my church, and so like I can feel like what I'm playing should be this color, you know. And I that could say that, or I could even just like turn lights to a certain way if I want to. Like this is a blue song, (laughs) you know. Right. So it's just it's interesting interesting the, too
1: i mean you sound like you have chromesthesia uh I
0: when know. you talk like that just just give it just put it on i think it's cool that's like a superpower you know
1: <laughs> that's what they talk about <laughs> in some of these videos that i was watching to yeah. study for this that's very interesting you said that because well i guess i'll i'll stand by for that because that that comes up in the one i'm really going to reference the ted med talk here yeah when we get the chromesthesia um So it's very it it sounds like you've got touches of it. And we want to we want to point out that this is not a mental illness. This is not a disorder Um, is it is absolutely not classified as that. It's just kind of looked at as a person who experiences the world differently. And like Jeremy was explaining his process there. You know, he might hear a song and it might he says tells himself it's got to be red or it is red. You know, he's experiencing that different but here's the thing: we might listen to the same song, and I might answer, "No, that song has to be blue." <laughs> right. And, and the point is, it's different for everybody. So even when we get into some of these um, concepts and w- or like the labels that we've been given, not everybody experiences them exactly the same way. Not every word. If I said a word, the word "microphone" to three different uh, people with synesthesia they might have different tastes in their mouth. Yeah. Then they might all be different. They might have the same classified type, but they're still experiencing it differently. So um, we'll see when we get here later. I I kind of put um, under the ordinal and linguistic personification that we're going to talk about. Jeremy and I are going to try and experiment a little bit and see what happens. <laughs> uh,
0: I, uh, so, yeah, I really <laughs> like, I, I think you alluded to this. I don't know if you said it outright, but it's, um, it's, it's viewed as a different way of interacting with the universe, and I think we should mention that very clearly because what you were getting at is um, we all have these different emotions and feelings and the way that we view the world. And so it's just – it's cool – I like it. I'm excited for this experiment. I have not read ahead to that experiment, so I will be a willing and open participant <laughs> for what we got going on. But-
1: well, well, let's let's give it a shot. So there are different okay. kinds of synesthesia, and what I'm going to do, what the way I broke down our outline today is I I separated the ones that are related to sound, so we'll get to those after I go through the other ones or after we go through the other ones that are more related um to taste and viewing um but we'll we'll get there so the first type we're going to talk about is grapheme color and that means that letters and numbers are connected to colors so jeremy if i said to you um and this kind of goes into ordinal linguistic personification but we're going to put it up here okay. for now if i asked you what color is b what would you say
0: uh boy uh blue
1: yeah it's brown
0: Oh, okay. In my brain. <laughs> okay. okay.
1: What What if I said X to you?
0: Ooh, it's black.
1: Okay. See that one we agree on. To me, okay. X is black. <laughs> okay. What if I said um, T? Orange. Oh my gosh! See, this is already getting weird because that <laughs> one is what I see when I see yeah. T. So now we're kind of forcing it, right? Like I'm yeah. I'm particularly <laughs> asking you, you know, what you see. Folks with graphene color are going to always see that. So if you type black and white papers, they're going to see every letter in a color. That's wild. So it's it's a very and like in their brain, every letter and every number has a color. So you could assign it with number two. So Jeremy, what co- what um, color is five? Yellow. Gosh dang it! I'm getting yellow too. <laughs> uh so i, I got I was hoping we'd argue more, maybe we will when we get by to it, but it's it's funny because I wonder though if there was a third person here though, if they would agree with us,
0: yeah, and you I wonder I mean? if like um when you say this like they'll have a color specific to it, and it' this just becomes my mind and um i don't see necessarily letters in color, but like you know people with perfect pitch they can't see they can't hear anything but the actual note. Right, yes. like they can't. Like I, if you played a chord out of tune by itself, like it would sound like a chord as long as they were all out of tune together. Right, um, if all the three notes were like lowered by a half step, that would still sound pleasant to my ear. But somebody with perfect pitch would not hear that. They would hear three out of two notes. <laughs> mm-hmm. right? right.
1: So yeah, I just yeah. Think,
0: okay, so what's the next one we got? Lexical. Okay,
1: so lexical gustatory. I think that's how you pronounce that one. I like I didn't it, it's a good word. But it's certain words trigger taste. So if I said the word uh, pillow, um, they might taste celery Yeah. as soon as I say it. So <laughs> yeah. it's, now, is there a rhyme or reason to it? Not that science can totally get, and maybe the person can't even tell you why, that when you say phone, they taste dirt. It literally is a, is a taste in their mouth. So this, this one's kind of hard for me to wrap my head around because I don't have any type of this, not even a little myself. Um, but in even words that aren't connected is going to promote a different taste in the mouth. They, they feel it all in their mouth. They taste it on their mouth. So a word triggers their, um, taste buds. So, then we have mirror touch, which is feeling like you were being touched while you watch somebody else being touched. So I was reading a thing about people with this say they're watching somebody get CPR. Yeah. They feel like they're getting CPR put on them.
0: I think it's important to to highlight this, like the extremes of this, because the last two, like the the colors and the numbers, I bet there's some like nurture to like all the kids blocks you have are like probably like the same colors, right? You know, like the, mm. the alphabet blocks. I um, didn't think about that. Yeah, but like the triggering tastes, I think that like it's not more than this, because it's like the Pavlonian response of like you ring the bell and like you think of your mouth waters because you're supposed to get a food or whatever. Um, I think it's different than saying like, peanut butter like then you can start you can like imagine peanut butter's taste right i think it's more Mm -hmm. than just the imagination of it i think it's the actual touch of it because i think we can we have seen people like you know like creepy people like will like make you shudder or whatever you know Mm -hmm. but like that example of cpr i think is such a good and maybe not maybe i am just i'm explaining all these (laughs) synesthesias out there that i have for the world but uh, (laughs)
1: that's uh, okay though (laughs) yeah
0: but like cpr i think like i would i would see that and um I don't like to actually feel that is totally different. You know what I mean? Because yes. I think the mirror touch is like there's that famous experiment where you put your hand like uh, you're next to a mirror, like literally next to a mirror, and they like rub it and they, like, trace it and then they hit it with a hammer, but it's like a rubber hand. But you like your brain has latched onto that like a phantom limb type thing. Um, yeah. So I think it's, it's interesting.
1: I didn't even think about that one, the one you just said with the mirror and the rubber hand. That's a good one. So we also have number form and I, I admittedly couldn't find a ton on this, but it's basically um, you picture a mental map when you think about numbers like they're mapping out um, ordinal linguistic personification. This is one that um, I've I've quite literally <clears throat> pardon me. I've quite literally had this conversation with friends in the past before. Um, so this one, because mostly just because excuse me. <clears throat> Sorry, I have a frog in my throat. Um, just like over coffee talk, somehow got on this topic and people have said that letters or numbers have some kind of gender assignment.
0: Oh, interesting. You know, that
1: they're male or female. So if I said to you, what gender is the number two?
0: Oh, male.
1: See, two is female to me. Ah, oh, Huh. What about the day Wednesday.
0: That's a male, (laughs) for sure. See, that is a
1: super. That's a super female to me. (laughs)
0: That's funny.
1: But Thursday's a bro. Like Thursday's a bro. Yeah. Uh, So it's. But there you go. It's interesting. And I. It's basically just assigning gender to some kind of ordered thing. So it could be month. It could be day. Um, could be numbers. Anything that's ordered. Fancy. Yeah. Would you would give gender to. So um, I think that one maybe everybody might have a little bit because it seems like all my friends have opinions about gender. I wonder how that, to that I wonder
0: how that works in like um like foreign languages. You know, like I think French and Spanish, which uh, every noun is masculine or feminine, f- mm-hmm. masculine or feminine. You know, la versus l or la or true. Um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see how this goes across cultures too. You know, because we all have different starting points. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. I think it, I just I think it's very interesting. You know, in, in English too, we don't necessarily have those assignments. So, yeah. is it does it make a difference when it's in a different language? I don't know. That's a good question you raise.
0: Oh, well, good thing we're not psychologists. Or I we're, mean, really, we're on the seriously. journey to become them.
1: Yeah, I I always tease that I'm an armchair psychologist. That's right. You know, like I I think I know a lot, but I don't know anything. Like I truly know nothing. <laughs> just
0: just to know enough to be dumb, you know. Uh, yeah, it,
1: that the story of my life. Um. Yeah. So <laughs> so then finally, um, the non-sound ones will label um a spatial sequence, and this one blew my brain up this is seeing numbers as points in space so if you imagine the number three is it close to you or far away from you if you see the number 10 is it close to you or far away from you that one that one made my head spin
0: like are they like in relation to each other or just like they They can
1: be yeah they can be but like if you see a certain number on a page maybe it comes closer to you Oh, a I mate, see what or you're something saying. Like that. I like see what it, you're saying. Yeah, two uh, D numbers because obviously yeah. numbers are, um, you know, not necessarily dimensional. Um, you know, they you might you might see them in close proximity to you or farther away. Certain numbers are far away from you, and certain numbers are close to you in your, that, in your mind's okay. eye. Okay,
0: that I think that one gets portrayed in like movies a lot, like with words and stuff. Um, like they're like, like, if you're like having a mental breakdown, you know, it's like, they always like do the first person and like the letters are like
1: moving in and out. Yeah. Yeah. Sherlock even. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you know that sometimes when it shows Sherlock, um, the modern day telling with, um, uh, Ben, Benedict Cumberbatch, when they show him like analyzing a problem, you might see words go in and out and go closer and farther away from him and, and different things like that. And I think that's kind of what this is. That's that interesting
0: that they have, um, they, yeah, they've used that technique to show uh, people of intelligence. Cause it's almost like, it's like, um, like in the shows, they're sorting through information, right? It's like surfacing information right. that's important. Um, but I couldn't imagine like sitting down to take a math test. Cause when you first told me about this or you were talking about it, I was thinking like in my head, like, oh, like 10 is not, you know, but like, when you said like looking at a piece of paper, it kind of blew my mind to like look down there. Like, you, could you imagine doing like a numbers a times table? <laughs> you know, it's oh like, oh my gosh, all no. the numbers are separate or different. Happy weird.
1: I know it, it. That's that whole phenomenon. Really, just I can't grasp that one. Like, I guess I kind of could get with ordinal linguistic personification and graphene yeah. color. Like, I I could get those, but the spatial sequence one was like what. What?
0: Yeah. yeah.
1: So, Ah. so those are non, those are examples of non auditory ones, right? Those are all examples that really don't have anything to do with auditory or excuse me, auditory. As we get into sound, the ones that are auditory, um, there are two of mention here, and they're the ones I think as musicians, maybe we fall into this, or maybe people who enjoy music fall into this. The There's like one that's not totally as common, one that is, I guess, but you could argue maybe you have it. So the first one, auditorial tactile. So it's basically when you hear a sound and have a physical reaction or response. Now, that being said, I couldn't really get a great grasp on this one because I think there are certain sounds that we just have reaction to. Um, and maybe it's, maybe that is, um, a type, you know, everybody has this type of synesthesia. Um, and we just didn't know what to call it because there's definitely times like if you hear a creepy sound, you get that like tingling on the back of your (laughs) neck, yeah, you know, or, um, Maybe, you know, you get scared because there was some kind of uh, dynamic shift really quickly or something like that, that you have a response. I mean, how many times have you been listening to music and got goosebumps? Yeah. Right. So that to me, I feel I, I couldn't, again, I couldn't find great information on this one per se, but I kind of feel like maybe as humans, we just have that one because it's yeah, a well- sound making our physical body react.
0: Yeah, I think it goes back to the point you made earlier that it, this isn't like a mental illness or a mental disorder or anything, um, and there may be like spectrums of it that uh, it, like you could be listening to songs and I could be like oh, I got goosebumps, you know, and somebody else could be like I don't have them, you know, or like right. or like yeah uh, yeah I wonder like if there's different varying levels of of just what this is. Maybe it's just this is a name for a phenomenon that happens in our brains and to our bodies. Um, but I think you're with the, – the, I thought of goosebumps as soon as you were talking about the auditory tactile one. Some,
1: mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I I, kind of would argue, given my very limited armchair psychology knowledge, that we would probably all have this to some degree. All
0: right. I agree 100 percent. Diagnosed.
1: Wow. That's a bad idea. You should not – first, you've known me long enough. Don't ever diagnose anything I say. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. So the one that I – think we as musicians in particular would find most interesting is chromesthesia. And that is sounds that make a person see colors or shapes. Um, And this is kind of where I started hearing about it. You know, as I referenced at the beginning of the podcast where my art friend, she was a teacher was telling me about her students process and stuff. And I was just like, what? Um, And so Jeremy, you talked about this a little where like you might see color when you hear a sound or something like this. I, I did some digging on this and I recently, I watched a Ted med talk. Um, it's a violinist named Caitlin Hova who has this and she didn't know until she was in college, which is another whole different story about when do we figure out where we have synesthesia or some form of it, how she found out. And I've linked this in the show notes for anybody who wants to watch it, because side note about this, it's hard to, talk about cremesthesia it's easier to see it because (laughs) obviously of what it is right so i would encourage everybody to go look at this video but caitlin talks about how she didn't know that she had this until she was in college on the last day of one of her music theory classes a professor of hers talked start talking about how some people see sounds or excuse me some people see colors when they are hearing sound. And Caitlin just looked at him and goes, yeah, of course, that's how everybody does it. And everybody just (laughs) kind of looked at her. And that's when she figured out she was different. Now, mind you, she was in college. So she was probably and if she was taking a theory class late in her theory classes, she probably was what, 19 years old, something like that. So she went her whole life not knowing that she had this. She thought this was very normal, which a lot of people do. So later in the video, she plays a viol- her violin while a light show happens and it would just look like maybe a light show to us. But her husband rigged up her violin so that for every pitch she plays, it shows the color that she thinks. So before she starts, she goes through a C major scale and says C is this color, D is this color, E is this color. And she's adamant about these are the colors that they are. And then she plays and you just see this rainbow. And I note that even the the intensity of the color is, is going based on how different changes, based on how she's playing. So there's times where she does like little knocks on the violin and you actually see the color go behind her instead of in front of her. It's it's fascinating. It's just, just watch it. It's so good. And And I think it will give everybody a very clear description of what this is. Because again, we can talk about it. But because music is music and color is color, it's hard to do on a spoken podcast to give it justice. So I strongly encourage everybody to go watch a video like this. And I even linked another video where um, it's short. It's only like a minute where somebody did a visual representation of what they see. So they took 45 seconds of music and they visually did it. And the funny thing is they did it with shapes, too. Because some people will get a shape assignment, too. So you might see a triangle when a flute plays. And it might be a green triangle. And then see, you when, see a yellow circle like when a trumpet plays. Yeah.
0: When, honestly, when I hear stories like this, uh, it makes me think like this is where that 3 to 4% comes in. Like it's so clearly obvious to them. Like I, I, I do not I do not have like each note is very specific like that. But like, uh, I mean, that was like, I had I had an auditory tactile synesthesia response to to your story. I had goosebumps. Really? <laughs> to, yeah. But oh, like, wow. um, it's just her story is fascinating. It's just like it's so clear, you know. But it's again, it just amazes me that it was not normal for like it was normal for them. But they didn't realize it wasn't normal for anybody else. And I think you go to college and that's why college is kind of beneficial because you find out that you're like, like you're either normal or you're not. You know what I mean? Like it's, you, you find out kind of where you fall on the spectrum of people that are like you, especially in a discipline yeah. that's like, yeah. You.
1: It's, I think it's just fascinating that you don't figure this out till later, like until college. And that actually got me thinking about too, how did people read music then? If people with this, how are they reading music? And again, even though this is a, you could argue common, not common phenomenon, there's still a lot of research and a lot of questions that aren't answered. Um, And so the only thing I could find was some Reddit posts about this, that some people were asking questions on Reddit about, I see color when I hear sound. So when I read music, it doesn't jive. Exactly. Because they're they're not seeing the notation in the way their brain thinks because the wires got crossed. So I, I it sounded like a, a, with Caitlin's video that, you know, she could read music just fine, but she never really dived into, you know, how she could she read music. So yeah. that was a question I kind of felt was unanswered for me and my research. But I would love to see more uh, responses to that. So if you're listening and you're a person who can read music, and has that specific where G is green and
0: you know, <laughs> yeah. F sharp
1: is red or whatever, and you can read music. Tell me about it because I'm dying to know this answer. How does sheet music look for you when you read sheet music and you recognize that that pitch is a G? Does it read green for you? Yeah, I, I'm I'm just curious.
0: It's like when you try to explain, um, like being nearsighted to somebody like how it looks when you take your glasses off like you can't it just recently I've seen like pictures and paintings of like that's that's what it looks like without my glasses and people are like what and I'm like yeah that's what it looks like you know like (laughs) yeah that's my world Um, yeah so let's talk about some famous people like maybe maybe somebody who's listening will be the next famous person we can include them in 20 years in our next show notes but Uh, There are already some people who are established.
1: Well, first of all, did you know List was? I did not know. I did not know this. He has he had chromesthesia and the in his life, because it was so unknown at the time, people thought that he was trying to trick them. So he would (laughs) use a sound to say, uh, you know, or he would use color to describe the sound he wanted. And people thought he was trying to mess with them. (laughs) <laughs> isn't that isn't that crazy like that oh, to me funny. is like super I, I just that blew my mind especially because we're we're somewhat music historians being teachers and stuff i never heard of that being yeah. related to him uh tori amos they they claim it's unspecified but basically she uh talks about seeing bright color or like light uh okay. when she hears music so it's again a different form but it's kind of um cremiceja um and i put an article where i found these artists too in the show notes i have a lot of show notes today because i had to really dig on this because it's kind of uncommon duke ellington had it billy joel he's not only got chromatisia he's got graphene color so when he so he talks about it quite a bit um in the article i think they have a whole quote from him but so he's seeing color when he sees letters so as a songwriter the, can you imagine the Billy Joel having both chromesthesia and graphene color? The the input of color he's having anytime he works. Yeah, he,
0: I wonder. It, I wonder if he like if his colors that he sees goes together, and if he could be like, uh, you know, like you don't ever wear red and uh, maroon together. You know, like if he sees mm-hmm. two. Two words, like a red word and a maroon word, like with you, not even without the content, to be like, yeah, that's not gonna work. I'd be curious to see, like, if we could color coordinate his lyrics to, to see like the color schemes if he has them or not.
1: Ah, that's a good question because I'd love to know. <laughs> yeah, I'd love to know. Or
0: it's probably like makes no rhyme or reason, but it just it'd be fascinating if you could like identify your own patterns and stuff.
1: Yeah. I think that, oh, yeah, I would love to. I, see, this is where I would love to see their process and some of yeah. this stuff. Because to me, I don't see things like this per se. I mean, I sometimes will associate color, but not at this depth. Um, Patrick Stump from Fall Out Boy, nice. same thing. And then Pharrell Williams has Cremesthesia, too. So there's a lot of artists that even to this day, um, I, I don't want to say suffer, because again, I want to stress, this is not a mental illness or disorder, but they experience yeah. in this way. And so it got me thinking about this. Does stenesthesia lead people towards certain career paths because they have such different experiences? And I I couldn't find much on this either. But it but I just thought about the fact that an artist who is so freely expressing themselves and already has a brain to interpret the world differently, I I feel like that they that their way of interpreting the world and being able to experience all the senses connected together would affect their art and maybe uh, gives them a better creative outlet. Now, I'm I'm hypothesizing here, but I I did have that question: Is there is that what happens here? So I I don't know the answer to that, um, but it seems like it could maybe be a connection. I
0: yeah, I think I. Yeah, I don't know. That's a good question. I think so. I think that like, well, I think especially if you recognize it and you like tap into that to a greater understanding, I think that makes you a better artist. So I think if you like recognize that and you can kind of like experience that things are connected in unique ways, I think you already have a leg up, you know. And like there, I think like Billy Joel has two things, you know, along with his musical genius, he can see like these things. Intertwined, and like so. If this can be intertwined inside your brain, where something you can't see, you know, like as one person, how much more intertwined can we be as people with our emotions, with each other, with each other's emotions? So, um, yeah, I don't know.
1: So, this begs the question Are you more inclined to believe you have synesthesia now?
0: Uh, I think that uh, without knowing anything about it, I think there's probably a spectrum, and I think that I probably am somewhere on the broader edge of it like um i was just thinking like a fun assignment it's probably why it doesn't make sense to some people you know like listen to this passage of music and like color what color you think it is probably doesn't make any sense to people that don't see music in color but it's definitely an assignment that i would do
1: (laughs) Mm -hmm. i used to do that uh, when i taught elementary school um with my little ones i would play music and say can you draw me a picture about what you hear Mm -hmm. and just their color variations and stuff i i always thought was really cute now they might have similar themes in them because even at that age they might recognize a song as happy or sad something like that but they would they would have some different color assignments so i mean now they're little kids and they're just drawing so i mean grain of salt right but still kind of it kind of ties back to this and i will say i didn't put this in the show notes there are supposedly online tests for this but um i don't know of their accuracy but i think you can go online and google this and take some non-scientific assessments of whether you have this or not so if this is something that you think you might have or interested in knowing about give your go and find one of them and play with it and see see what comes out of it so maybe jeremy this is your weekend project
0: yeah, I think so. I'm gonna do it. <laughs> so you can find with that. I mean, I think it's a good spot to stop. You can find all these show notes that uh, Daphne has put together so well, and that's a. I do want to say for all of you students out there, this is a good example of how you use your sources when you don't know something that well to uh, to get more information. So all that stuff is in the show notes. Uh, if, even if you're not a student, you can find us on Twitter at OHVA Music. And then you can find me on Twitter at Jeremy P. England. And our website is OHVAmusic.com or anchor.fm forward slash OHVAmusic.com. And with that, let us know if you experience any of these uh, phenomenons inside your brain and like how that changes the way that you interact. With the world. And until next time, we'll talk to you later.
1: Bye.